You're listening to the A Scully Cast, brought to you by www.ascully.com. And here are your hosts, A Scully and Sid Talk. Hello, Sid Talk. Hello. It is uh, episode uh, 501. We have, dun, no, dun, dun. we have no special song this week. Did you get any feedback about your special song? I did. Somebody said, "Did you sing? Did you sing that special song?" Me? No. It Answering was... the question, no, <laughs> it was not me. Nobody sang the special song. I just—it was one of those online generated. You, you <laughs> say it, you say the comment you want singing, and then it sings it to you. So I guess nobody sang it. Just a computer. So, um, what's the before the after the show discussion? Hmm, you were working on the sound. I was talking and talking about nothing, really. It wasn't much of a discussion. Well... Do you think it was a discussion? Well, we talked a little bit about this film. Mm-hmm. Well, I was trying to hold back on that because then we're going to talk about it again. And then I will either forget I said something or not say it again thinking I've already said it. So it's very complicated. It is very... <laughs> what was that? I don't know. I think a, there's... I a think, ghost in the machine? <laughs> I think there's an actual ghost in my computer. <laughs> you made another sound earlier that was not us. I gotta... You fell in for a second while I... Un- what am out. I filling in? That Nobody wants to listen to me fill in. Except to talk about that if it's Halloween season, and if you're into horror movies, sometimes you gotta take a leap... Right? Pick a movie, anywhere, any of your movie resources, even if you walk into an old-fashioned rental place. If they exist, just get one and watch it. Don't ditch it. Don't cop out halfway through. Just watch it and then appreciate whatever you can and move on to the next one. Because it's kind of stimulating to watch somebody's ideas not quite work. And then you appreciate the ones that really do. Um, I found the ghost inside the machine. It was uh, my uh, Chrome tab was not muted. So now we're all good. Interesting. We shouldn't hear. Technical difficulties aside. <laughs> all right. So this is After the Show. It's your weekly podcast where we, where me, A. Scully, and you, Sid Talk, review a movie. True. This is Saturday, October the 14th, and the show, uh, After the Show, 501, as I said earlier. The movie we're looking at this week is A Ghost Story. It's a 2017 movie released on Blu-ray on October the 3rd, so you can pick this up now. It's rated R, and uh, it's from our friends at Lionsgate. It doesn't seem like it should be rated R, really, should it? No. I was thinking, like, why is it... It's not even... There's barely any dialogue, never mind cursing. No, there isn't. There isn't any sex or nudity or... I mean, there's a bit of a love scene type thing, but... Barely. Yeah. There's a no violence. I don't understand what it's rated That is weird. Anyway, uh, what, for whatever reason, they rated it R. And uh, Sid Talk, give us the synopsis of a ghost story. Mm. Oh, am I still doing the synopsises? Since you don't yes. like them for 500 times? Okay. It's a ghost story. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a, the title tells you it's a story about one ghost. It is, and it it's in a, any you know we've we're convinced it's a ghost. It's a ghost, and the implications of what that is, maybe it really is a ghost. That this guy is a ghost and lives can live through all time as a ghost, or give up on whatever keeps him hanging around. It's kind of like that. Like it's hard to describe, but it is a story about one ghost, and it is a ghost story. Yeah. So uh, I will say there may be spoilers. In fact, there definitely will be spoilers. Yeah, this is hard not to. Yeah, can't talk about this movie at all if you don't have some spoilers because there'd be nothing to talk about. So go away and watch a ghost story. And go come away. back. <laughs> and then you will uh, be. Don't forget to hit pause. They got to pause it. No, just go away and then come back. <laughs> and then the podcast will be over and it won't matter. So, um, yeah, a ghost story. Um, I didn't know anything about this movie except for the fact that Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara were the stars because that's what it shows on the front cover. Actually, a good front cover because the front cover just has a ghost on it and it says a ghost story. Doesn't really spoil anything, unlike we're going to do now. <laughs> so, um, here's my uh, take on the ghost story. Um, first off, this movie is presented in like old school, what do you call it? Um, 
133 aspect ratio, like your old TV used to be, but with rounded edges. Uh, well, my old TVs did have rounded edges. Yes, they did. Yeah. So it's got rounded edges like a TV. And the first thing, as soon as it came up on the screen, I was like, oh, this reminds me of being... When I was in school, they used to roll out the projector and put it at the back of the class. And we'd watch, like, in German, for instance, there'd be a German uh, tutorial video. And it always had those rounded edges, and it was always <laughs> that shape. So it, kind of, it, it took me back to that, watching those. So it has a specific look to it. Secondly, it's... A very artsy kind of movie. It's not a mainstream movie, let me say that. There'll be a lot of people who it will be too testy for them and they will switch it off fairly quickly. I mean, it opens with a scene of the couple in the movie in bed, just kind of barely talking, just kind of kissing each other. and For a long time. And looking at each other. And, it, and I have patience. I have a lot of patience. I like slow... Dem- deliberate scenes, but you're going to say it took a long time, are you? It lasts about nine minutes. It's just a <laughs> sequence of that. It's to show you that they love each other, basically. But I mean, there's, it's, it doesn't cut to the chase. It, it's a long. And then there's also another scene in the movie where a where M, the female character, eats a pie for. <laughs> I've just had a look up. It's uh, eight minutes. Yep. And. When I say she eats a pie for eight minutes, she's it's just a, a scene of her eating a pie. There's nothing... I mean, there's some acting to it, but... Mm-hmm. The implication here... Well, it's not implication. It is that she has an eating disorder. She's depressed, and now she's eating this pie. Right. Um, Fastly, grossly, in my opinion. I'm not, I'm not a fan of watching or listening to people eat. I don't think I've ever watched anybody eat for that long in my life. That was perhaps in the first time. In life, you have. Maybe not, not just alone, but... Not yeah. just a look at somebody eating. You know? Like, actually concentrate. I found that to be my first signal of like, oh my god, you're so up your own asses, people. This is not necessary to tell her story. Not the longe- not the length of it. There can be a dramatic length in a scene that tells you a lot about the person, and that's fine. I love those. I like method scenes. I like uncut scenes. I like all that. David Lynch. Most of the time. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> However, David Lynch does the long scenes. Yeah. Off, it's just that it's not, and I'm not saying, well, there's a line that you draw when it's too long, but this is truly somebody who's just being overly sensitive about, oh my God, that it was beautiful on film kind of a thing. There's a lot of that going on in this movie that I'll say right up front. There's a lot of like, I'm an awesome movie director. Sort of like, I don't know. There's a, it's pretentious a lot to me. Although I enjoyed it all, it's a lot of like, look how creative and innovative we are, and look how deeply we've thought about this, and how much we've thought about everything. And I find it really creative. That was my, I thought it was very creative the entire time. I do think there was a lot of, um, yeah, not the entire time. I do think during the editing, um, I don't. I'm not talking about like, I mean. Her eating a pie. After about four minutes of her eating a pie, and she started off like casually eating the pie, then there's a bit of angry eating the pie, and then there's a bit of grieving eating the pie, and then there's a bit of she's disgusted with herself, or you know, True. it, it kind of goes through. It's not just her eating the pie. There, there is stages of eating the pie, right? So, but it that did feel, and I have, I have a good patience level for movies and stuff. But that did feel a bit too like the editor needed to get hold of that, or maybe the <laughs> director edited it and he couldn't lose any of it. Sometimes when something's That's what I'm saying, emotionally attached to yeah. her performance, which was fine. I have no but poor judgment in that this is not telling me anything more. you're done. You've told me what I need to know. And you're not adding anything to the scene. There's nothing in the background that I need to gain information about. There's nothing. It is literally just I'm doing something weird in my film that seems, you know, relevant and paying homage to this woman and her pain and all that shit that I, you know, <laughs> it's just not shit, but I mean, come on, you know? So we've only just talked, we've just talked about the scenes that go on a bit, right? Um, but aside from that, this movie is. The two main characters, you know, they're a couple. The um, 
one of the main characters, the man, dies. I'm I'm saying the couple because they don't really have names. M and C. Yeah, which is what, you know. So, what the man dies, and then comes back as a ghost and a literal ghost that we know from Scooby Doo and stuff. Mm-hmm, like yeah. it's it's a man with a sheet on his head with two holes in it. So it's not trying to be special effecty or anything like that. It's a man with a with a sheet on his head, and he hangs around and watches life after his passing. So Only in this one spot. He's in this in, one house. He's in this one house where yeah. he lived. Now, what that brings with it is, and I said to you, how I felt about this movie when it started to happen was, like, the ghost's life is the sad life. Because she actually um, is there. To move on. And she has the grieving period and then moves on. Like, there is a distinct scene where she moves on. But then the ghost can't move on. He's just trapped. And he... Well, that's subjective. Well, we find in, this, out how in they, this scenario. We find out... Well, no, we they tell us very clearly how a ghost can be done with a place. Yeah, but... One, we meet another ghost along the way, and it's very obvious that's all you have to do is that thing. Yeah, and just then, let go. Like, yeah, and that's it. So you're not trapped. You, he's fully aware now but, of what happens. But this ghost, like the... You know, when you watch a nine-minute scene of a pie being eaten, this ghost <laughs> sticks around for longer than nine minutes. <laughs> In fact, spoilers, he sticks around so long, he sees our future and then a rotating timeline where he comes back to the beginning, I would imagine. I like that. Yeah, I did That too. That's when I started being like, okay, 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 okay. Now I'm more in. Like when that guy gave his monologue, I was like, okay, I get where we're, where we're going here and I'm digging it. Yeah, so you, you know, it goes a little bit sci-fi. It goes... I really I really liked this part of the movie. I thought it was the best, most genius part of the movie, where the house that he's trapped in, that where they lived and he's the ghost, that house gets smashed down. And then, you know, I mean, what do you call it? Demolished. Mm-hmm. Because uh, a big, you know, they're going to build skyscrapers there or something. And then you get to see the progression of him hanging around for God knows how long. You see... A skyscraper be built. You see people in offices wandering around and him still in that spot having a look. And then you see, like, well, you don't, you get to see the future, like a, like a Blade Runner-ish kind of city, I, I thought. Yeah. And then you get to see, like, the beginning of everything again and people, you know, and then he gets to see his own life again in that same house. Like so, he's on a loop. Yeah, like like everything's on a loop. Or like, you know, what about what it's saying? The movie is like, you know, it's about our lives, like in the moment, rather than forever. There's a guy who gives like a speech in the middle of the movie. There is barely any dialogue in this movie. I must say, barely any dialogue, apart from this long monologue in the middle which is given by this guy in a party that's taking place in the house uh, after she's died and somebody, some other people have She didn't in. die. She left. I mean, after she's left and some other people moved in. Um, and he gives this long dialogue, uh, which is about... Well, it's kind of like that. What You know when we were watching Charlie Veach on YouTube this week? One yeah. of those rambling people. Where it, it can makes sound a lot of a little, sense he, as well. Yeah, it can sound a little bit... Yeah, off the wall, but I, I was like, he's looking into my brain. Yeah, he gave the speech about, like, listen, you know, all you lot, have you got kids? Well, guess what? Your kids are going to die. And their kids and their kids and their kids and their kids and everything's going to keep going and then the universe will be done. Yeah, that is that kind of speech. Now, I thought I liked that speech a lot and I liked what happened after it. You know, the, the ghost going through all the different phases of time. I just think it's... It's not very clever uh, in the way it's presented. It's very knocking you over the head and telling you exactly what is happening. There's no, there's kind of no interpretation. It's just that speech happens, which tells you a lot of things that are actually going to happen. And then those things happen. There's no, like, leaving anything open for the imagination. It all just is straight up there on the screen, right? It doesn't feel clever in that way. Correct. You know, um, there's also I agree. 
Also, the female character in the movie, like, when she's leaving the house, puts, like, a note in the house. You know, like, some people, like, carve the name on a park bench or whatever to say, oh, it's the moment me and such and such were here, and then come back 30 years later, and it's still there, the the marking, and it makes you feel something. Well, she leaves a note in the house, like, pushes it in between two, in a crack of the wood, and paints over it, and the ghost is, over the years, trying to get the piece of paper out to see what it says. Uh, spoiler, you'll never know what that piece of paper says. <laughs> That's a big spoiler. <laughs> but um, I think you can make a guess of what it says. Uh, so what did you think of the uh, overall, the way it's... I enjoyed it. I fluctuated between judging it harshly for being too precious about itself and for then injecting the the big picture, which is how I see all of existence in the big picture, that it's all just what it what this movie eventually gets to and that the emotional attachment we have to people is all we have. That is literally it. And if you let that go or you give up on that, then you are done. If everyone gives up on you, forgets about you, then you're done. The atoms and all that shit that make you up are going on to other things and the memory of you is gone. And that, and that we're convinced by our own culture and society to hang on to, like, leave something behind and be important when we're not. Except to the individuals in our lives right now. We can leave behind a legacy like the in the monologue you talked about. Um, like, Mozart wrote songs and everyone will listen to them for, like, ever and ever. And maybe, maybe not or whatever. So, But then it could be removed from Mozart. It may not be that anyone even remembers that's who did it. They just hum a few bars of it because they remember it somehow remotely. They've heard somewhere. And then they build on that and go on and it's something different. And that Mozart no longer exists, really. Yeah, I mean, many. Yeah, and I oh. love that. What That made me like, right, so the idea, I get it. But then the, the longness of that eating and the longness of a couple of other moments when, in fact, you could have been giving me a little bit more information or feeding me a little bit more about this bigger idea instead of just getting caught up in you're sitting in the editing room and it's a beautiful shot of her eating this pie. And I get it. It would have made a nice short student film, right? A woman who's having an emotional transformation during the eating of a pie alone on the kitchen floor after her man has died. I mean, she does go through phases. like She I does. Said, and you can see them. Distinctly. Right. And I appreciate that performance. I really do. It's just that it's too indulgent to make sense Fully. And then there's another long scene and another long scene, which don't tell you anything new. No. So that, that would be my issue with those. Overall, I feel like, oh, something to think about. You know, I love I love that when a, when a story can do that. I, I did really like the, um, the fact that, you know, it, it does do long scenes, but I like the fact that this ghost actually lives through... The next person who moves into the house, like um, the lady with the two kids, he actually... Mm -hmm. Yeah, the only time we... Well, not the only time, but... He's a ghost, and his woman's gone now. She's moved on. And then this new lady moves in with some kids. And then the emotion the ghost starts to go through of, like, this is... I don't want you people to be here. I Like, I, he starts doing a basic haunting of them, right? Like throwing some dishes against the wall, knocking things off, making them scared so they leave. But then you start to think about the ghost's emotions and like how he's also, you know, like grieving is that is loss. He can't... There's one scene actually I really liked where she's lay on the bed and he sits down on the bed as the ghost and just tries to like touch her to make her feel like I'm here. But she doesn't yeah. feel it, does she? So that makes me think... Being a ghost is just torture, like, because you, <laughs> if you are a ghost, it, it's all going on. It, it was your life, and there it is. And there's a scene where she kisses another guy, and it gets him really angry. You know, it's like... So I do like all those things. And for a movie that cost $100,000, which is very, very little for a movie, you know, a tenth of a million, you know, even indie films cost a million dollars generally, this does go into some big ideas. And, you know, that cityscape is a special effect, right, that it shows you. It's not a real city. The neon city. Yeah. So 
It spent its 100,000 very wisely, I think, because there, there's a lot to it. There's a demolition of a house. There's um, special effects. But like I said to you in the movie, you didn't even... Casey Affleck didn't have to be under that sheet all the time. I'm sure he wasn't. You know? Yeah. It's a trick, Not isn't sure. it? I don't... You can't tell, can you? Because... They built something it's inside a bit of, a cop of the out. suit. If you're that guy, then you're that guy. He should be always under the. You seat. should, but <laughs> it, we wouldn't know, would we? If they, if one True. day he couldn't turn up and they stick somebody else under it, we really wouldn't know because he doesn't speak and he just moves. So, and anybody can do that. So um, I think they spent the money really wisely, and to tell the big tale that it is, I think it's pretty clever. But yeah, you're right. It does suffer from some like art schooly, you know. Yep. tropes kind of things. Definitely. Um, you know that scene where she like comes out of the house with that thing, that piece of furniture, and drag, 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 yeah. drag, 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 and then puts it down? I was literally thinking, something's got to happen, or that's got to mean something, that piece of furniture, right? That's the trick, isn't it? And there was really nothing to that, was there, dragging that? It was just a nice shot. Like you say, it, it was a nice-looking shot. The sun was coming down. She was dragging a thing across the lawn. There was some smoke going across. It's kind of telling you she's... Oh, there's another story here. Getting out of... She wants to leave this house and move on with life, and he doesn't. And that's that's the story that is his ghost story. And he's an artistic uh, musician. Yeah. And she... She doesn't... That that is a really... really That line where she says... Where he... She says about, about the history. You know, the history line. Yeah. Yep. He says, we have history, and she said, not as much as you think. Yeah, that is a really nice <laughs> yeah. line, I think, yep. in, in the movie. Um, so, yeah, there is a, you know, a difference in their, what they want. <laughs> bless you. I bless you. Thanks. <laughs> I you have, have authority <laughs> by the higher powers to bless you. I love it. So, yeah, I, um, I, I'm torn, because I did like it. You know what I really liked as well? Here's another thing I really liked. There are things that I like about this movie quite a bit. When you're thinking a ghost with a sheet on its head, that's from Scooby-Doo. Like, that's <laughs> that kind of ghost. And it is that kind of ghost. And I always... I never really gave it a thought, why does a ghost have a sheet on its head? But in this movie, the way they explain the ghost in the sheet is he's on the mortuary table, whatever you call that, the gurney, with the sheet over it. And then he stands up and the sheet comes with him. Yeah. So he's automatically... But no one can see the sheet. No one can see any of it. And he walks out of the hospital. You actually see the scene of him walking out with the sheet over his head. And it's... Oh, that's where the sheet comes from. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, I don't know if that's the explanation. But, but it isn't. Yeah. But then when you see the other ghost in the other house, that that ghost has got a floral sheet on, did you notice? Mm-hmm. Like, like um. I think the ghosts just have sheets, I think is the idea. Yeah, but I really like that. I was like, oh, I never really... Put it. I never really thought. I don't think that's how the sheets get on the ghost. That's how the sheet gets on this ghost. Yes. Yeah. So I like that a lot. It's quite quite well explained. (laughs) Well, Um, that's your interpretation, which I didn't exactly agree with. But the uh, what you're saying. The demolition part of the movie made me jump out of my seat. So if you want a jump scare, there's one, as far as I can tell. Yeah. This is not a horror movie, by the way, and you might think it is when you look at the cover in the store. I would think this is a horror movie, like The Conjuring. Oh, you're saying it so much nicer. Oh, only because you're going to say, what, what is it? Oh, no, Conjuring. Conjuring is what you conjuring. said. Conjuring. Um, I would think it's that kind of movie, looking at the cover even. It, it looks like that kind of movie. It is not that kind of movie. It's a, it's a more thoughtful art experience. The, I would say, and I just went on IMDb, and I looked at the reviews, and I... Found two good ones amongst the hundred and something bad ones. And the hundred and something bad ones said, I am really bored watching this movie. These scenes go on too long. It's just a mishmash of scenes stuck together. I don't even understand it. There is something to understand. Yeah. It actually is a, um, a cohesive narrative. You do have overall. to hang in there. Yeah, you just have to hang in there. If if you watch the first 20 minutes and you think this is well too, this is just a slow movie, and it really is. If you don't stick around and just turn it off, you'll get nothing from it. You'll just think it was some pretentious thing. But if you stick around to the end, I think there is a... The last 
like 15, 20 minutes, I think are really good. Like, I thought it got better towards the end. Yeah, once we hit the monologue stage and the time yeah. issue, um, and once the time started moving forward, I was like, oh, now I get it, and I'm digging it. Did it feel to, you know, what it felt like to me, uh, as far as, like, um, a thing? It felt like an episode of Black Mirror. Kind if this of, was an yeah. episode of Black Mirror, it wouldn't feel out of place No, at it all. totally fit, yep. Yeah. Uh, and Black Mirror has big stars in it, and Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara would be in something like that. So, as I was watching it, I was like, "Yeah, this is like an episode of Black Mirror. It's it's the it's that kind of budget, and it's that kind of you know big story that you try and tell small, but with the vibe, yeah, yeah. So, if you like something like Black Mirror, you probably would like this. Aside from Black Mirror is not quite as artistic as this is. Black Mirror kind of gets to the point with things. This kind of rambles around a little bit. But there were feelings of emotion in those rambly around scenes. When he's just stood there and she's doing something. And he can't do anything. I felt really something there. Did you? I'm um, just watching well, her see, be I'm, sad. You're very romantic. And yeah. you completely see her reaction different than me. Completely. I don't see her as missing him and being super sad because he's gone. Sad because maybe she's not as sad as she thinks she should be. She was ready to move on with life, and now he's not there. That doesn't necessarily mean she's desperate to have him back. Right. And so everything she does is like this sort of, I have to keep moving forward, and I can't be devastated because that's not honest. Right? So everything that I'm seeing her do and everything that's going on, I'm seeing it differently than you do. So when he's standing and watching, I also don't think he's super sad. Mm necessarily i think he's because he wanted to hang around anyway and so he's hanging around yeah but i don't think that was i don't think he wanted to hang around in that sense i don't know i think that's part of who he is and then as the loop thing happens and you realize maybe this is, this is just he's been doing this who knows how long and finally he gets the note out of the wall Right? Yeah. Spoiler. <laughs> and so, I don't know. I just see it different than you. I don't see either of them as super sad about any of this. Right. And the way I saw it, I was very sad a lot of the time. I was like, <laughs> I'm just, I was like, when he's watching her, just go about a thing. And I'm like, and there's nothing you can do. Nothing. Just watch it. That's all he can do. That was sad to me. So, um. Because you would be sad. So moving on to the cast. And I. There's Casey Affleck who plays C. What do you think of Casey Affleck? Um, he was all right. I mean, what did you he's think always of him kind of mumbly and in serious. In Manchester by the Sea. Very good. Yes. Best performance I've ever seen from but him. But let's be honest, we see him for about five minutes in this movie. Yeah, he's not in this <laughs> and movie. And then he does a lot of head twisting under a sheet, if you are convinced that's not always him. He does a lot of walking and standing and tilting his head. I'm not discounting that performance. I'm just saying it actually could have been anyone. And the scenes where he's... I, I do... Um, I like Rooney Mara and Casey Affleck where they play in a couple. I do buy them as a couple somehow. Like, there's something intimate about them. Well, they're actors. That's what I'm saying. I, and some actors don't portray that very True. well. Some actors, you're like, oh, this, I don't buy them as a couple. But I do buy these as a couple. They're both... These characters, they both seem kind of pretentious and... Um, about touchy feely, like you said. Yep, absolutely. And they come across that way, and but I do buy them, like as those two kind of people. And uh, most of the scenes with Casey Affleck, like I said, uh, there are him, like kissing her and like hugging her and loving her at the beginning, and then there's bits where he's kind of sat there making his music and she's talking to him. There isn't really a ton, and like you say, he mumbles a bit, doesn't he, in this movie? A little bit. He does. He just has that kind of vibe about him. So, um, he's not bad in it, but there again, he's mostly got a sheet over his head. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, once the sheet co goes over his head, is that, you know, it's performance acting then, isn't it? It's something like what Andy Serkis does. You just, uh, you, if you can move right and make it, you know, he, he doesn't really have to do any animation or anything. He's just walking and keeping very still when he stands there. The stillness I did like. I like that. If this entity is going to be hanging around, that it's not how we've been sort of like not culture, you know, our pop culture has taught us. It's like lots of banging and knocking. And yet in this we see it's 
very isolated whenever he can conjure up enough emotion. And I think in life, he was the type who didn't really show much, except through his music. He didn't. So now he can't do that. So he explodes. So he's like passive aggressive. He's really calm, except something really gets to him. And then the light flickers. He knocks over a picture. So I like that it's very still and that he's sort of just hanging around. Yep. He does a good hanging around. Yeah. I like that idea, though. So Rooney Mara plays M. What do you think of Rooney? She was good. She was my favorite thing just because I think she held it together where I was convinced of what my interpretation of her reaction was. Was this like the expectation of me will be that I fall apart and I cry and I can't let go and I can't move on. And But I'm going to because maybe I was done with that relationship to begin with. Yeah, and around the halfway point of the movie, she leaves the movie anyway, right? So, Yeah. Um if the the almost the last half of the movie they they don't appear in it. I mean, Casey Affleck sheep version and her <laughs> know her. So um, yeah, they, even though it's, and it's only a ninety minute running time, so they're not on the screen for a ton of time, but they do use them well. I think to make the movie, you know, they do suit as a couple. It's successful as a story telling me the story of this the perception or like a. A take on a ghost story. It's just that it's injected in little bubbles of, like, that should have been... If you're going to do an overall artsy movie, you know, if you're going to do True of Life or a David Lynch kind of a thing, then just go for it. Like, completely go for it. Don't even inject any sort of linear thing, which it's kind of, like, torn between those two things. I would appreciate it more probably if if it was just, like, whole hog, you know. And there are, there are other people in this movie, but mostly, like, people you don't... They're just kind of peripheral people. Mm-hmm. They don't have lines a lot. And, but I didn't put this guy down, the guy who does the um, dialogue part in the middle, Will Oldham, who plays the prognosticator. <laughs> uh, yeah, he he's not even an actor, that guy. He's a musician. He's done music for a lot of different films, including this one. And uh, you wouldn't think he was a good actor. Because yeah, delivering like that was tough, I think. It's a tough, you know. It's um, a, if it's what he thinks, yeah, then but, probably not. But memorizing it all, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, well done to that guy in the middle of the movie. There's just, like he, I say. He breathed life into it, which is, I'm not trying to be ironic or whatever. I'm not doing a pun on the ghost thing or whatever it's called. But he did breathe a little life into it for me. So, I like that. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, no dialogue in this movie. Like I said, loads of no dialogue. And then when that <clears throat> guy does finally, you know, like the director said, there's been no talking for a long time. And then that guy does that speech. So that speech feels even more kind of, you're listening at least, because you've not really heard anything. You've just heard, what, some music and some noises? Yeah. Up to that point for a while. Um, this is directed by David Lowery who I'm not actually that familiar with. He's done other films. He actually did Peach Dragon for Disney a couple of, well, a year ago, actually. Um, I did not see Peach Dragon from Disney, uh, and I'd never heard anybody talk about it much either. Do you remember the original Peach Dragon from back in the 80s? Uh, I never watched it. I did. But I, did I knew there was a remake. I just didn't realize it had even come out. The next film this guy is doing is uh, Peter Pan for Disney, so... This movie's far away from Disney, right? <laughs> you know, even uh, yes. Though, even though this could have been told as an animation, like a Pixar um, animation in a, in a way, if you think about it, it might have a different vibe to it. But the story in general about the ghost could be a Disney thing. So what do you think about this director? I, I think I've said it. He's kind of stuck up his own ass about the art of it. And not balancing quite storytelling and wanting to be that, the weird thing. Weird as, you know, that's subjective, but, you know, not Disney. I mean. <laughs> and not, you know, a, a Salvador Dali movie. Like, he's stuck in there in a, in a place where it's unbalanced a little bit. And so he needs to mature. If he's going to do these projects, then all the input from all the people, which is kind of the vibe I got from the extras, maybe he needs to learn to edit 
down a little bit and do his own thing because I don't feel like it's him. I feel like it is truly a group project, which is fine, but as a director, that doesn't tell me much about him. And this this movie is really short, yet it feels like it could be edited even more. And I'm not talking like ADD editing, like it needs to be all chopped up and... No. It's still... No. Long scenes work in this movie, it's just I think some of them he didn't know how to cut them out. I mean, you could cut the pie-eating scene down, even if it's a five-minute scene. It would work, I think. Yeah. As an emotional scene. It doesn't really have to be near ten minutes. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It uh, does have a lot of student filmy kind of thing going on in this movie as well. It doesn't yeah. feel like somebody who's actually made a Disney movie. True. <laughs> it feels like somebody who's just starting to make like a movie. Like he stumbled into the Disney thing and now he's going back to try to figure out who he is. Which right. is admir- admirable in that world, so uh, I would look forward to more and see what of him comes out. There are extras on this Blu-ray, a ghost story and then and the inevitable passing of time featurette. We watched this. What did you think of this? It was um Um You might have thought this was pretentious. Yeah. I did I did notice one moment I think Casey Affleck was asleep. <laughs> I thought it was really pretentious, first of all. They try to come off like it's some kind of ghost hunting show, so they sit in a room with a candle, they blow out the candle, and now we're in night vision. So they're all sitting in the dark. Yeah. Again, I'm an artsy-fartsy person, so don't anybody think that I'm anti-art and creativity and expressing yourself in wild and wonderful ways, because I'm totally into that. But when you're doing it because somebody says, wouldn't it be cool if we did this... That's not an expression of art, artist's view of the world or anything. It's an expression of you wanting it to be cool and different with no nothing else to go with it. Yeah, and they, I felt like, uh, well, They were know. in some place in Cincinnati, Ohio that was yeah, deemed a as like a story. haunted place. And they decided to sit there with the lights off. Um, yeah, there is, a, there is a moment where Casey Affleck looks like <laughs> he's... Li- I think he's asleep. I he's think either he was- really listening... Oh, he's he's really really asleep. Yeah, I think he's actually asleep. But um, they talk about in there's chapters to this, and they talk about most of the things I wanted them to talk about. Talked about how they made it, how they designed the ghost costume, which is a sheet, but inside it they've done some things to make it kind of the right shape. Because if you just drape a sheet over somebody's head, it doesn't behave exactly how the one in this show in this movie does. Um, so yeah, it's a decent extra. It's literally them just sat around and some clips from the movies, but you do get some stuff. Uh, There's a deleted scene, and the deleted scene's kind of interesting. It doesn't seem interesting at the beginning, but then when you see the very end of the deleted scene, what did you think? I mean, the deleted scene's called... The deleted scene is called C, Make Some Coffee. And... It's one of those really long, drawn-out sequences of Casey Affleck. It's just him standing there making a cup of making coffee. Making a coffee. In real time, though. Like yeah. the pie scene. Like, he's literally making a cup of coffee. Waits for the water to boil, pours it in the cup, waits around. And then at the end, you see a different... What the original idea of him dying would have been. or And that's all cut out. Which, to me... When you see that, and then you think of her reactions, is completely different than if you would when you see it without it. So that tells me it's a you know we're living on a flimsy thing here. Our interpretations of her reactions could be anything because that would have been the original reason for the way she was behaving. True, and it's not. So we don't get that part of the story anyway, unless you know maybe it is really what happens. We just don't see it, and that's why she has this sort of distant, yeah. There's also weird, that. you know. Yeah, there's yeah. All, uh, yeah. The way we see it in the movie, it could have still happened. We, you, mm-hmm. there's no saying it didn't. You just actually get to see something that you go, "Ooh, wow, really?" So yeah, there is one deleted scene, but it is a bit of a good one. There's an audio commentary with David Lowry and the crew, and that's why I think this is more a group project than just David Lowry doing something. Because the crew are actually on the commentary as well. And you could see it as a very small crew. There's like mm-hmm. maybe seven people who were responsible for making the movie, aside from the actors. And uh, they all seem very tight-knit. So I'd be interested to hear this commentary to see, you know, what he... Um, I'd be interested to see why that deleted scene was removed. And uh, why yeah. they put what they did in there. Hopefully they'll tell you. 
So, um, in cuckoo, 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 conclusion. What do you? What do you? Uh, what would you give? Who would you recommend this to? Would you recommend? Uh, I don't to? know. Who I'd rec- I'd say to people watch it and then decide for yourself. But I like it for my own specific reasons, and I dislike it for less reasons. I, <laughs> is, it sounds really, again, unbalanced because it's not balanced. It's I, not committed to a thing. And so I really enjoy it after watching it more than I did while I was watching portions of it. Well, I like the overall theme of it really a lot. I, mm-hmm. I liked it, especially towards the end. I thought, wow, this is really, really good. And then uh, there are moments where it just tests even my patience and I can watch. There's a scene in Twin Peaks where a man sweeps the floor for five minutes I can literally watch a man sweeping the floor for five minutes and not complain about it. <laughs> but in this movie, there were moments where I was like, okay, this isn't telling me anything. And I don't feel like 10 minutes of this film needs to be dedicated to this. It doesn't add emotion. It doesn't, it just is a drag. But then towards the end of the movie, if you noticed, it wasn't a drag and it did move at a fair pace once it got going. See, here, that's the weird thing. That a lot of people, if you introduce the idea of an, of a never-ending universe or that the universe and the world will end eventually and nothing you're doing matters, but then you give them the idea that now matters, that depresses them. That's what this movie is, by the way. But once you've introduced that to this movie, it gets better. Yes, it does. Because I don't know why. Maybe it's because it's in line with how I see the world anyway, but I think it it does that thing where you're like, oh, right, I get it. Yeah, it's like um, it almost after that dialogue from the guy, Will Oldham, when he does the monologue, after that moment, it's almost like, yes, I understand where this movie is now. Like before, it was kind of me- mm-hmm. meandering, but now I get its focus. It's about that. It's about... We don't really mean anything in the scheme of things. Yep. And you're either in this life or you give up, you let go. And then it all made sense from that moment onwards. If you take what he said and apply it to the movie, it all starts to click into place. So that was why I thought the ending was really good. And um, yeah, so I, I would recommend it, but I know most of the people I know would say they would watch the first the first <laughs> yeah. scene of this movie and say, why is this boring shit and turn it off? <laughs> if you're one of those kind of people who just likes mainstream movies, this probably isn't for you. But if you like something that's a bit more thoughtful and, uh, you know, even for me, who like I like pretentious and kind of... I like kind of movies that are a bit, you know, artsy for art. You know, I just like, you know, American Honey that we mm-hmm. watched? It's like artsy, right? But it, has the same, it suffers from a similar vibe. Yeah, but I, I dig it, like, somehow. Sometimes I do. But in this one, it did challenge me at times. And I am pretty patient, so <laughs> if it challenges me, you know, the, the the person who goes to see Transformers The Last Night and thinks that's the best thing, this will never entertain them. Not necessarily, because you love it. You love both. Yeah, I do, but I'm just saying the average audience member for a big blockbuster, if they went in and watched this instead because Star Wars was sold out... You're thinking went, of one specific friend of yours. No, not friend. <laughs> I'm just thinking of the public, actually. Say we say, are the public. Say you go to see um, Star Wars: The Last Jedi, but it's sold out, and a ghost story is playing in the other theater. The audience that was coming to see Star Wars would probably not. I don't know if that's fair. I say watch I mean, it and see what happens. Would, Everyone should watch would. it. Everyone should watch it and then decide for yourself. Well, no, I don't think everyone should watch it. I do, because then you know for yourself. I don't want somebody telling me. I'm not going to like a movie and then decide not to watch it. Well, if I I would not recommend this to anybody. I would recommend to everyone because then you can decide for yourself. Nah. You don't want people to make up their own mind like you just did because you watched it. So if someone had told you, nah, it sucks, don't watch it. And then I watched it and said, oh, I think I you think should some watch people, it. I think some people do want you to say, nah, it sucks, don't watch it. I don't think they want to waste time watching it to see if they uh, like it. I am not the arbiter of their time wasting, <laughs> so fuck them. They can decide on their own grown-up brain if they want to take the time see, to See, some up. movies just miss people completely because somebody like GPD who says he only looks at Rotten Tomatoes, and if it's not 80% or more, then there's no hope of him watching it. But that's what you're doing to people. You're saying it's bad, don't watch it for you. No, I said it was. I no. said it's you're not it's for bad everybody. to you. No, It'll be no, bad no, no, for no. you. No, I'll re-explain it. Uh, I didn't mean that. I was, I was saying, 
that an average audience, this would probably not hit. That's what I'm saying. It would be bad for you, so don't watch it. No, it wasn't bad for me. No, you would be saying to the person... This would be bad to you. You wouldn't like it, so don't watch it. That's the same as GPD saying, no, I, I don't watch anything. Say I'd, say, I'd say it's this type of movie. If you like that type of movie, I'd explain what type of movie it is. I'd say it's a artistic kind of movie that is pretty slow moving. And ultimately, you should just watch and it and decide for yourself. And it has an interesting message. And if you like that kind of thing, then maybe you would like it. That's how I would say it to somebody. Yeah, but that's the same as saying, watch it and decide for yourself. I mean, well, then reviewing movies would be completely mute. I wouldn't... I'd have no opinion on anything. That's not, ac- that's not accurate. Because you can still have an opinion and discuss it. And then someone would watch it. A lot of people, and say, I can discuss this with you now. Because I can agree or disagree with your interpretation. Well, as a reviewer of movies, a lot of people say to me, Have you seen that new Spider-Man? Should I watch it? And they want me to tell them something. Not like, watch it yourself. And tell, tell me if you like it. They want me to give my opinion and whether no offense, I think they would like it. No offense, that's a little shit. They shouldn't be having you tell them what to watch. A lot of people. And you shouldn't take it on that because that sounds really arrogant. <laughs> a lot of people ask. <laughs> I know they do, but you're they're grown-ups. Jesus, just tell them. They go, uh, Here's what I thought. They you go, go watch it and let me know. They go, I love this, this, and this. Do you think I would like that? And I'll go, mm, well, that's not like this, this, and this, so... Yeah, you but you're not all telling, all knowing. Because somebody might I watch am this all movie. All somebody might watch this movie who's never seen anything like this ever before. Because all their life, people have said, "Oh, you're going to hate this, or you would hate Tree of Life, and you're going to hate this, and you hate David Lynch." And then they watch this and they go, "Wow, I've never seen anything like that." But everybody told me not to watch it because I like Star Wars and Transformers. But now I've seen it, I want to see more. But the problem is, we can't all watch everything. You don't have to watch everything, but don't discourage people from watching things. That's what I would say. No, and I, I didn't discourage. I would say, I would say, it's this, this, and this. You decide whether you'd want to watch that. That's what I'm saying. Watch it and decide for yourself. Well, you don't have to watch it. You can ask me, and, and then I will say, it's this kind of movie. And then you can go, mm, well, I don't really like You know. Mm, we're just going to disagree on this. You might not like movies about the Civil War, so... There's a new Civil War movie out. You you just dislike the subject of the Civil War. But that doesn't mean I wouldn't like that movie. And then you say to me, do I watch this new Civil War movie? And I say, do you like movies about Civil War? And you go, no, I hate. I don't want I also don't. hate car chases and fight scenes. And Bourne movies are some of my favorite action movies ever. Mm. So, you see what I'm saying? It's just one of those topics that we disagree on. And I'm sure there are people listening right now who are like super bored. Because they know you're wrong and I'm right and they want us to move on. Well, we're trying to be challenging like this movie and have a nine minute. <laughs> then we should, then you should just be sitting here going. Mm-hmm. A nine minute of. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. Yes, I am. No, you're not. <laughs> now that's too stimulating for this movie. <laughs> All right. So, um, yeah, I would uh, recommend it to certain uh, audiences and you would recommend it to everybody. I wouldn't recommend it to anyone. I would say, here's what I think about it. Here's the vibe. You watch it. And decide for yourself. So, there we go. We uh, sometimes recommend it, and we sometimes don't. So, no, not sometimes at all. That's not a correct interpretation. So, thanks to Lionsgate for the Blu-ray. Next week, we will be reviewing The Big Sick, which is Judd Apatow's new movie. Contest. Go and win on aschoolie.com. Somebody, Cat, Cat, this week won our contest for a digital copy of Pirates of the Caribbean, the new one. And she was very excited. She said she loves our podcast. Nice. So there you go. Um, and she was very excited to win it. She was like, I, Beautiful. Did, I didn't actually buy it or watch it because I thought I might never know if I'm going to win or not. And when I did tell her she'd won, she was like, woo. So thank you, Kat, for winning and listening. Next, uh, we've also got another contest up there. Go and have a look. You can win something. I'm blanking on what it is. But win it. Phantasm. All five movies. Movie recommendations this week. I am going to recommend you some movies based on Halloween-ish type scenarios. So uh, this week I'm going to recommend Poltergeist, the original, not the uh, remake. Good movie. Toby Hooper, who is now dead. Rest in peace. The Witch, which is one of my favorite horror movies of uh, the past few years. What did you did you like The Witch? I did. I mean, really, really cool movie. I like it. It was cool and kind of weird and kind of like, ugh, ugh. I actually like it. I like it more as time goes on. Like, I keep thinking, oh, that one was really, like, 
messed up. And <laughs> the way that was made was artistic too. And that was also another 4 by 3 movie, wasn't it? Um, the Witch. Really cool witch movie. And my other one is, uh, around this Halloween time, The Exorcist uh, Season 2 has just come back on TV and we've started to watch it. We watched the whole first season because The Exorcist is actually my favourite horror movie of all time. <laughs> and uh, The Exorcist Season 2 is quite different from Season 1. Uh, would you like to explain? What was that? Explain what? Uh, how different? Why is it different? What? The Exorcist? Season 2 from Season 1. I don't know. I think it's... It's only different because we moved on to different people who are possessed. Yeah, well, I think <laughs> it just feels, like, different. It feels different. Well, the other one, when you've watched it all, you know that it was going in a particular direction, which I was really annoyed with. And But the vibe up to that, the feeling, the scenes, the the ideas... And the way it delivers always is the same as this one. It's just that now we've lost that. Well, we haven't lost the overarching story, which I think is actually really super lame. But the big my conspiracy favorite part is the, the overarching Church. story. Actually, the Catholic Church. Yeah, thing? I really Ugh. like that part. I think it's really boring. I just want exorcisms and not some big conspiracy to like whatever. I like the conspiracy, and I like how kind of horrific the conspiracy is. It's that, horrific, but it's very contained. There was a scene in the uh, this week's at the where they all sat around the dinner table at the beginning, which was awesome. <laughs> I loved it. You remember? Yeah. You, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was just a cool exorcist moment. Like, it's just kind of gross out and a bit kind of, ugh. Uh, but yeah, this season is... The first season um, was really good. You didn't like it as much as I did. Mm-mm. Because it was... Kind of a continuation of the original show, uh, the original movie. Kind, kind of, of, but it pretended it wasn't. Right. But it did kind of tell more of that story. But now it's kind of gone off in its own direction, it seems. I mean, it might loop back around to that story, I don't know. But it seems like it's its own thing now. Where it's almost, it could be, Monster of the Week Yeah. show. With the that's exactly the phrase I was thinking of this yeah. last episode, yeah. Yeah, that's how it's starting to feel, which I kind of like because it, that makes it more varied. You're not stuck with that same cast all the time, which you were in the first one. True. So this, it seemed, I don't know, it just seems like it's getting its feet and it's turning into its own exorcist thing. Uh, so yeah, that's on Fox, The Exorcist, Friday nights, I believe. So what are your um, movie recommendations? Mine are, I've been watching my Halloween-y horror type movies now for quite a while, I looked back. I started a couple months ago, just to get a head start. And in this last week or so, I've watched uh, about seven. And two of them are, one of them is Blood Glacier. Now, it's one of those, um, uh, it's foreign language. I forget which language. It might be Norwegian. I'm not sure. Um. And it's like, they've gone to a remote location, it's freezing cold, they're on a mountain, glaciers, obviously, a scientific thing, you know, so we've seen this before in horror movies. They discover this glacier with, like, red all over it, so it's like the red ocean, which is the weird algae, you know, that scientists study and figure out where it all comes from, and then it's basically, it's that, but it's frozen in the glacier, so it would have been part of the ocean billions of years ago, whatever. And, of course, it has a very unique cell structure that once it's ingested or put into any other living creature, it can do this thing where it combines the DNA of whatever creature it was in last or whatever creature or thing that this creature eats. Okay. If you follow. So then it creates like a clone that gets very, it matures very quickly. So you might have a, like a mountain goat with a wasp and a snake all combined. And while that's creepy and shit, and they do a good job of making this kind of creepy, the creatures they create are very B-level, unfortunately, whereas the rest of the movie is all right. But I like it overall. So Blood Glacier. And then the other one is Raw, R-A-W. Like Eddie Murphy. No. It is, the description is, a young college student, a young college student who's a vegetarian, is forced to eat meat at like a, hazing thing. She goes to a veterinary school in France and becomes a cannibal. That's actually in the description, so it's not a spoiler. 
<laughs> it's really good. To me, it's really good. And I would say if you want something that's like, I don't even know how to describe it. I, again, I'm going to go back to the thing of just take the time, find it on Netflix, give it a watch. Is it your favorite you cannibal movie? No. Is that Cannibal Holocaust? Uh, no. That was alright, but no. That's not my favorite either. Which one? Hmm. I don't know. Raw's pretty close, I guess. Because it's a little more... Like... Ugh. <laughs> what about The Green Inferno? Green Inferno. Yeah. Pretty good cannibal movie. Yeah. There's another one I watched that was... I forget the name of it now. Um... There was more like on the kind of over the top where this father and this family have carried on this tradition for hundreds of hundreds of years or hundreds of generations where they basically go out and capture people who they think are like sinners. And so they eat them to like devour the sin in the world kind of thing. Oh. That's really horrific. And he's down to like a dude and his two daughters. And of course the daughters want out because they have to keep kidnapping people. And so that one was quite interesting. I've got a good one for you. Mm-hmm. Mom and Dad. Oh, yeah. That's a bit <laughs> kitschy, but yeah, definitely. Yeah. You, I'll never forget that scene. Uh, any of them. The jism on the piece of meat. True. Too. Yeah. That's oh. the kind of movie that is. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Cannibal Holocaust is actually... Uh, for people who, you know, watch cannibal films, they are not billions of them. But Cannibal Holocaust was the most famous cannibal film. It's the one that was made in the 70s. Uh, the actual uncut version features lots of animals being killed, yeah. which is real. Um, but it's like, it's almost the original found footage type movie. It's like from the 70s. So they started it all. They go to uh, <laughs> these, a film crew go to look at this lost tribe. The lost tribe of cannibals. The film crew get savagely messed with. And it's all kind of film like a documentary but it seems real um so yeah they they kind of started that well they, I'm pro- they probably didn't but it's one of the i'm surprised you've never seen it Mm-mm. do you want to see it i'd watch it yeah would you like to see the one with the animals getting killed or the well, cut version that's a tough one see i i'm not opposed to a piece of art that has existed and it is what it is. You cannot change it, or un- you can cut out the parts, but I'm saying it existed for what it is. You're not necessarily advocating it. But like those movies we've watched on Spanguli, which we'll discuss in a bit, that do show other things like racial insensitivities and yeah, true. cruelty to animals and comments and s- cultural things that now we look back on and go, oh, that's like, that's what promoted that terrible idea, and we're over that. And that, to me, tells you the progression that you've done. Now, if this movie, it sounds like a sensationalistic kind of a movie. Yeah, so I'm not was... going to appreciate the harming of animals. Not that I'm an animal advocate. I mean, we are vegetarian, but I'm not an animal rights person. But it's over and done, and I can't undo it, and I don't advocate doing it again. Yeah. There... But I would be interested to see how, I mean, what were you thinking to think that this made a film tell a story or become art. You know, that would be my... That would how I, That's how I would look I'm at it. I'm surprised you've never seen it because it really is a classic. Mm-mm. It's one of those classic horror movies. Um, there are two classic. versions. There's the non-animal version and the animal version. So I do believe I have both of them. But uh, you should watch it because it's like goes down there with like Night of the Living Dead and, you know, mm. like historical kind of... I don't think you've even seen zombies. It's funny it. that we can sit and watch movies where people are horribly cruel to other humans, but when we say, do you want to watch a movie where someone's cruel to an animal, you're like, I don't know. I mean, don't get me wrong, in Cannibal Even though Holocaust, in this one, it's real. Yeah, in Cannibal Holocaust, they're also very cruel. They eat people. I mean, the cannibals, right? So They don't so, eat real people, though. They, they don't. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, it's not that realistic. But a lot of the animal deaths, which are just, you know, they're, they're not gratuitous because they're part of the... This tribe, they kill animals to eat them, and you see some, what do you call it, like ritualistic kind of stuff where they take the blood out of the goat and do all that sort yeah. of stuff. It's kind of used that way, but they actually, you know, it was found that real animals were killed. They didn't use special effects. So that's one thing that kind of marked that movie. But yeah, you should see it if you're a horror movie fan. Uh, games and A. Scully stuff this week on a lighter note. I've been playing Falls of Seven. Uh, Falls of Motorsport 7 on the PC. 
was a patch this week um, that improved performance, and I will vouch for that. It does pretty improve performance. Uh, it runs really well now. Um, it's a really cool racing game. I, it's got so many races in it, and so many races that are added every week. They add like special challenges every week in this menu, and you can just finish them all. And that's forever, I guess. They just keep adding them. So, yeah, if you want a racing game that gives you your money's worth, Forza 7 is where it's at. I've also been playing another... <clears throat> you could class it as a racing game. It's called Road Redemption. Road Redemption. And if you remember the game Road Rash from back in the Sega Genesis Super Nintendo days, it was a motorcycle game where you drive down the road and biker gangs come after you and you have a chain and you hit the guys off the motorbikes and you try and win while you're being attacked by all these gangs. Well, this takes it like to the new level. It's kind of Mad Maxi. It's mm-hmm. like end of the world type of thing. Post-apocalyptic. The world has been kind of... It's all biker gangs and there's different factions and you're basically trying to get from point A to point B without getting murdered by people. But you've also got murdering abilities too. So it's racing, but while you're racing, you've got to think about combat at the same time. So it actually... Like Road Rush, it was really cool. This is the same, you know, it's like, I'm surprised EA, who made Road Rush back in the day, didn't actually make a new Road Rush. It's never actually come back up since then, and it was a really popular game at the time, back in the 80s, 90s probably. But uh, this is like some indie developer who obviously loves Road Rush and decided to make a new version of Road Rush. It's on Steam, uh, I think it's like 12 bucks, and it's a really good game i would uh, recommend it so sven Gulli, what is it well sven's a horror host who dresses up funny and tells semi-bad jokes and presents a an old horror or horror comedy type movie on a saturday night from 7 to 9 p.m central time on me tv and we haven't been watching it lately because he replays a lot of movies that we've already seen in the past and replays not just the movie but the whole shtick and so uh, we won't be watching tonight because it's already uh, been over, halfway over. And it's The Ghost and Mr. Chicken with Don Knotts, which I do actually like. It was a fun one. I've never I've never seen that one. The Ghost and Mr. Chicken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we won't be watching that one, but we will tell you that it's on. We probably should stop doing this segment. <laughs> <laughs> Until we see it, yeah. If we see it. Then we should mention it, but otherwise it doesn't really matter. Correct. All right, what's for dinner? Tonight's going to be Jimmy John's. I thought it was going to be pizza. Oh, you want pizza? Yeah. I'm happy to do pizza. Pizza Sure, because I don't have to go anywhere. Pizza okay. sounds better. Changing it to Papa John's, not Jimmy John's. It's the brother of the other Jimmy. Yeah, it is. Everybody, <laughs> when we order takeaway, we make sure it's by somebody called John. <laughs> or true. John's at the end. <laughs> true, true. Yeah, that's all we do. So, um, yeah, pizza's. Sita, what is your advice before My we leave? My advice isn't really advice. It's more like um, just a thing that to be a person who has some sort of hope or vision of a future doesn't necessarily equal a belief of any kind in anything. Um, this movie kind of brings it up, but it's just my overall sense of thing about life is that I don't have any beliefs. I don't have any religion. I don't believe in anything beyond whatever I can see or understand. And if something's weird and I don't understand it, I don't need an explanation always in real life. And so a lot of times people will think, you know, I like to garden sort of, I'm getting better at it, but I like to grow stuff. Not great at it, but I'm getting more and more where I'm looking forward to the next season. I just pulled a bunch of seeds out for next spring, long time coming. And that's, that's a hopeful view of, of all of existence to me that you're just, I'm in the moment. I like to live for the moment. I like to appreciate my family and my friends and my artsy-fartsy shit and having ideas and thoughts and living my life and feeling the, I don't know, the weirdness and how awesome it is and how terrible it can be even. It's like stimulating and it means you're alive. You're, you're alive. There's not a lot of alive things that we know of in the universe, right? So that's pretty cool. And I can also see the reality that Everything does end. This guy in this movie said it. I was like, oh my god, who went into my head and drained this shit out? Because everything ends to a degree, but everything goes on. And so I have hope for things like, oh, I can't wait to plant my seeds next summer, next spring. 
It'll be so cool to see them grow and blah, blah, blah. Can't wait for my 50th birthday party coming up. Can't wait to see a friend when I'm going to see my friend. And, you know, I don't, I don't need a belief in a system or a thing or any fantasy or mythology to make me appreciate being alive or to have hope that a thing will occur that will be stimulating and, and pleasurable and everything in the future, tomorrow, in the next five minutes, next five days, next five years. It doesn't have to be attached to like this idea that someone else is pulling all the strings or something else is forcing it all to happen. It's just happening, you know? So, that's it. Well said, well spoken. <laughs> I don't think it was well said. But <laughs> Nicely <laughs> point executed. Thanks. All right, I remind you about our website, sayschoolie.com, sitar.com. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can also catch this uh, podcast on the Google Play Store, the iTunes Music Store, or the RSS feed, aschoolie.com. Click on the word podcast. You can just listen to it there or subscribe on any of these services. We still have a button that says Zoom. <laughs> I think I need to remove that um, and change it for the uh, tune-in one. So you need to make me one that looks the same. Sure. Um, also, tune-in. If you uh, have got an Amazon device, you can say, Alexa, listen to After the Show, <laughs> movie podcast on tune-in. And then it will uh, play you the latest episode. You can also email feedback to me at aschoolie.com. Don't email Sid Talk. And finally... I would say, stay classy ghosts from stories. Especially the ones with cheats over the head. They're my favorites. <laughs> Where, in fact, when it's Halloween time, you li- almost always see a kid with a sheet over the head, right? Uh, no, no, I never had in real life till I saw E.T. It's the easiest of all the Halloween costumes. So this year, you can go as Casey Affleck from a ghost story to your Halloween party. And it's all cool. <laughs> And I'm going to say, think for yourself, or someone will do it for you. 